Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. If you learn anything about Jesus, well, number one, let it be that he's the Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross for your sins and rose from the grave. He is who he says he is. The other thing is he placed tremendous value on prayer. And if you're too busy to pray, then you're too busy. If you're too busy to pray, then you are too busy. And stop whatever it is that you're doing. You pray. These are truly core things that you must know about Jesus. Number one is obvious. He's our savior. Anybody with minimal exposure to the church knows that. But number two is key as well. Jesus highly valued prayer. If Jesus himself was intentionally devoted to prayer, don't you think that we as Christians should do the same? As he concludes today's message, Pastor James reminds us that Jesus is our prime example. Everything that he did was calculated and intentional, so we must learn from that. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 1, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. authority over sickness. Does this mean every sickness will go away? No. No. But what if I claim it in the name of Jesus? It might and it might not. I don't know. If you're praying for somebody who is sick and they don't ever get better, it doesn't mean that you don't have any faith, as some guys would like you to think. It has, it has nothing to do with that. Why does he answer some prayers and not others? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't see what he sees. I don't see the whole picture. I don't know the stories that are going to be a result of this situation not changing. I don't know. We don't see that far. We, don't, we only see a little bit. And that's part of faith. That's part of trusting in Jesus is to commit everything to prayer. I'll commit everything to Jesus. But I also want to be just like him in the Garden of Gethsemane where he says, not my will be done, but your will be done. And that's a hard thing to pray sometimes because I just want them to get better. Jesus, you're the great physician. Don't you want them to get better? Those are very real conversations that he loves to have with us. And I don't ever want you to feel bad for having conversations like that with him. Sometimes this guilt complex can creep in. You're like, oh, Lord, I'm just so sorry. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't mean to question you or, look, I don't think he has a problem with us going to him saying like, look, I'm frustrated. I don't know why you won't answer this prayer. I don't think he's offended by prayers like that. I think, in fact, he probably wants more open and honest prayers and communication from us instead of being so what? Like the Pharisees. I'm only going to pray this way and in this tone and recite these only these things and just to show you that I'm a good one. I'm a good person, Jesus. So maybe in my, in that type of, I'll call it manipulation, that you'll answer my prayer because I'm one of the good ones. I can't pray like that. I find myself doing that sometimes, trying to manipulate Jesus through my good behavior. 
More times than not, I'm like, man, Lord, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Why won't you answer this prayer? Why won't you do this? I ultimately, you and I have to step away from whatever the circumstance is or the scenario is and just say, you know what, Lord? I don't know, but you do, and I trust you. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep asking. Because I'm not going to give up. I'll keep praying. And I'm sure you have people like that within your life. Maybe it's dealing with salvation. You have a loved one who just isn't walking with the Lord. And you're getting frustrated because they're not listening to you. And they're not hearing you. And they're not giving in. Well, you keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Well, it's so-and-so who's sick and they're not getting better. You keep praying. You keep praying. But what if his answer is no? Then you have to trust that he sees the bigger picture. That's a hard thing. That's a hard thing for believers. And I wish we talked more about this stuff because you think it. You live this way. I live this way. I don't know why we don't ever talk about this stuff. As if it's like, no, 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 it's, it's all good. It's all good. It's not all good all the time. Sometimes there's just frustration. But if you are frustrated, please never lose your reverence for who he is. Never stop respecting Jesus. Never stop loving Jesus. Even if he doesn't answer the prayers in the ways that you think he should. He loves you. He cares about you. He loves the details of your life. He's so in tune with who you are and what's going on within your life. He actually does care. And that should be more than enough for us to be able to lay anything and everything down at his feet, cast all your cares, all your concerns onto him. Why? Because he cares about you. So let me encourage you guys with that because maybe somebody's wrestling with that today. And you just need to lay this thing down at his feet. It doesn't mean that you're now like, I'll never think about it again. And I'll, no, 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 no. You cast it on to him. You place it at his feet because you trust him with the scenario. Whatever the outcome may be, you're trusting him. Peter's mom gets up, makes a meal. Then as soon as the sun goes down, as soon as there's some stars in the sky, the floodgates open because the people aren't going to bring their sick and their demon possessed to Jesus right away because we're still in Sabbath. But as soon as that sun goes down and they, you can tell, if you can't tell by the, the feeling of the story, they are watching and they can't, they're, let it, it's almost, no, no, boom, go, let's go. We got to get to this guy. Floodgates open up. Says that evening after sunset, many sick and demon possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not permit them or allow them to speak. Just two little things to note he healed many people, he cast out many demons. The idea behind that is, did he heal everybody? Well, we don't know. But he healed a lot of them. There's a good chance he healed as many as he possibly could within that time frame. Now, this is right after church. Church ends. He goes home. He heals Peter's mom. 
She makes them some lunch. Sun goes down and it's, the whole town's at the door. I mean, I'm spent after a Sunday. I'm absolutely spent. Jesus is like, bring on the sick and the demon possessed. Let's do this. We're pulling an all-nighter, right? And so it's like everybody shows up and he doesn't turn any of them away. He doesn't turn any of them away. And then this is what's crazy is look at the next verse. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Like, Jesus, what are you doing, buddy? You have to. He's like, no, I have to pray. I have to pray. But Jesus, you spent all day yesterday ministering. He's like, yeah, which is why I have to pray. Jesus, you're probably going to spend the whole day today ministering. Yeah, which is why I have to pray. If you learn anything about Jesus, well, number one, let it be that he's the Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross for your sins and rose from the grave. He is who he says he is. The other thing is he placed tremendous value on prayer. And if you're too busy to pray, then you're too busy. If you're too busy to pray, then you are too busy. And stop whatever it is that you're doing. You pray. Get alone. Get outside. Get away from the crowds. Get away from people. Find a quiet place where you can pray. Do this daily. Daily. Why? Because Jesus did it. He did it. We don't even know how late they stayed up healing and releasing people from demonic possession. We have no clue. But we know that Jesus woke up before the sun got up so that he could pray so that he could pray, because that was important to him. Secret prayer is the secret to prayer, is what Charles Spurgeon says. Secret prayer. You want to know the secret to prayer? It's your secret prayer. It's you praying when nobody's aware of it. It's you praying before the sun rises, so to speak. So he's out praying. Nobody knows where he's at. Later, Simon and the elders went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, we got to go. No, no, you, 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 you misheard me. Everybody is looking for you. He's like, it's time to bounce. We got to go. We got to go. No, Jesus, like, your popularity is through the roof. Everybody wants to see you. Yeah, it's time to leave. He's not in it for the crowds. He's not in it for the fame, so to speak. He's not in it for all that. He's not looking for popularity. He was on a mission. He was on a mission. And he needed to go from town to town and all this stuff. And he needed to find this next guy. And he wasn't going to find this next guy there within a little communal, you know, maybe four houses kind of connected together in a little courtyard that's jam-packed with people. He wasn't going to find this guy there. He needed to move on. He needed to go to other towns so that he could proclaim the word of God and demonstrate the fact that I am the Messiah. So he had to keep moving. And he says, we must go on to other towns as well. I will preach to them too. That is why I came. 
to preach, to proclaim the word. I didn't come to heal people. That's a part of it. I didn't come to set people free from demonic possession. That's a part of it. I came to preach the word. So we got to go. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So everywhere he went, this is what they were doing. Here's the, the last little story. And a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. This man with leprosy says, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Within the kind of the original there, it's, the emphasis is placed on, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. This is a very beautiful thing. And this is why we're going to close out with this last little story here. Leprosy is always kind of used as an illustration for sin. It's a skin disease. This could be, I mean, there's all different types of skin diseases and all that good stuff. But the leprosy that this guy has, Luke chapter 5, verse 12 tells us that he was full of leprosy, meaning this, he was well past recovery. I mean, they're more than likely when you get leprosy and you are in the final stages of that, I mean, it's already consumed parts of your body. You probably have had fingers and toes fall off. You probably are missing a part of your nose because oftentimes that's, you know, the leprosy that we find within the Bible, oftentimes, I mean, it would just deform you. They're basically walking around as like the living dead. And that's how people treated them. And in fact, it was part of the law where if you are a leper, you had to proclaim to anybody and to everybody, unclean, unclean, so that they knew to stay far away from you. Not that leprosy was contagious by touch, but they didn't want to touch you because it goes along the same line. It's this defilement. It's almost as if you are a walking dead body and they don't want to be defiled by touching you. Can you imagine what it's like to be a leper? That diagnosis comes in, that little spot that shows up on your skin, little white spot that shows up on your skin, begins to develop and it shows signs of turning into that dreaded thing. And you notice that. And the moment you notice that, you know that you have to start saying your farewells. That family that you have, you can't live with them anymore. That wife you have, you can't live with her anymore. Those kids, you'll never hug your kids again. You'll never hug your spouse again. You will never experience human contact again. Again. You will be an outcast from all society. In fact, they'll have a special place outside the city for you to live, and that's amongst other lepers. That'll be your new family, and you will watch from a distance your family move on without you. That's leprosy. It's a horrible disease. It was a horrible thing. And you can imagine what this man must have felt like when, lo and behold, he's, there's that diagnosis, I, I have this. And he knows what it means. He's seen it time in, time out. This thing's going to kill me. But then there's this guy that shows up and his fame is spreading throughout the region. This guy has authority. This guy's got power like nobody else. 
And this leper would have the audacity to approach Jesus. It's amazing, full of leprosy. Now, if you look at this in the spiritual realm, so to speak, full of sin, full of sin. The walking dead. But to know that's the guy I got to get to. That's the guy I got to get to. Everybody else that I show up to, I mean, you can't even go around religious people. There's no place for them there. Even the, the best of the religious people in that time couldn't really do anything for him. There's something about when Jesus shows up and you realize, I can go to that guy. I might be full of all sorts of stuff, full of sin carrying this disease with me for so long and seeing the repercussions of the decisions and the choices that I've made and there's no going back and who will ever love me and will I ever experience love? And then you get to, you just walk up to Jesus. You can be like this man here. He knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. And he says this, if you're willing, He's not saying like, because he doesn't think Jesus can. He knows that Jesus can heal him. But in submission to Jesus, he says, if you want to, Jesus, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. This man with leprosy seemed to catch on to something too. He knew his biggest problem in life was not his leprosy. His biggest problem in life was that he didn't know this guy. His biggest problem in life was sin. And that's part of him asking and just saying, if you can make me clean, Jesus. There's a part of the healing that comes along with that, but I really want us to understand that he's directing this towards Jesus as like, I need you to clean me. I need you to wash me clean. Jesus replied, are moved with compassion. Verse 41, Jesus reached out and touched him. You, you can't do that, Jesus. You can't touch those people. Watch me. Watch me. Can you imagine the religious leaders of that day looking at that and thinking like, holy cow, you can't, what are you doing? Jesus reached out and he touched him. And as soon as Jesus touched him, we think like, well, that's going to defile you. No, no, because as soon as Jesus touched him, the guy was cleaned. He was cleansed. He says, I'm willing, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared. The man was healed. So he also put this into mind as Luke, the doctor tells us that he was full of leprosy, completely full of leprosy, maybe missing part of his face, parts of his hands, he is fully, what we understand, restored. Does that mean that if he was missing his nose, that his nose came back? Probably. Because we're thinking like, oh, he just had like eczema really bad, and then just went, the rash went away. No, 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 no. He was fully restored. Brand new. As if he had never had leprosy. Isn't it amazing when Jesus shows up in your life, and you're like, Jesus, I just, I just need to be clean. And he can take you, and this is what we call justification. 
as if you had never sinned. It's the same thing. That's what following Jesus is. You once were full of leprosy, and then he touches you, he embraces you. He says, I'm more than willing. And you are brand new, born again, born again. That's kind of what happens to this guy. He's like, he's born again, brand new. Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anybody about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. That's based off, go back to Leviticus chapter 14. You can see that. Take along an offering required by the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleaned. Okay, he's like, just do what the word says. Go, go show yourself to the priest. Let them, and they got this whole thing set up in Leviticus chapter 14. You're He'll know it, he'll walk you through it, and all this good stuff. That's all you got to do. And this guy's like, sweet. And he doesn't listen to what Jesus says. And he goes off and he says, verse 45, the men went and spread the word, proclaiming to everybody what had happened. Of course he did. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. So Ultimately, what Jesus was trying to accomplish is like, I'm just still going to go town by town. Well, this guy went off and shared with everybody what Jesus did. Can't fault the guy, right? I would probably would have done the same thing. He should have listened. He should have obeyed. But because of his actions, it just complicated things, so to speak, for Jesus. He's like, oh, okay. Now I can't go into the towns. He could still accomplish the mission, but, you know, you probably really just should listen to Jesus, okay? If he says, go to the priest and show yourself, just do that. That'll be enough testimony. But the guy got excited, as I would have, and, well, he disobeyed Jesus. I'm clean, woo! The first place I'm running is to my house, you know? I mean, and that's, but it is the thing there. If Jesus has set you free and Jesus tells you, hey, don't do this, but do this, Go with what he says to do, okay? Just a good word of advice, all right? Just listen to what he says. Don't worry, the news about the miracle will get out. It'll still get out. Jesus is like, look, it, just go show yourself to the priest. The word will get out, but go do this first. Let's honor what the word says. The word got out, and it just kind of complicated things, but Jesus was still on mission. So, That's where we're going to leave it. I do want you to know, I'm just going to pray. Look, demon possession, Jesus solved that. Sickness, a fever with their mother-in-law, Jesus solved that. Leprosy, an incurable disease. As far as they know up until this point, I mean, there have been people who have been cured from leprosy. Oftentimes that was with like a prophet, like maybe Elisha with Naaman from Syria. Uh, Go and dip yourself in the Jordan River. And he's like, Jordan River? What? He's like, have you seen the rivers in Syria? They're way better than that. But that guy had leprosy. He got cured of it. Even that, even a scary thing like that, Jesus has authority over it. He has authority over these things. We can trust in him. And ultimately, the biggest thing, because we place a lot of emphasis on like physical wellness and all that stuff. And I I include in the physical, the mental wellness as well, because that's a big deal too. But what about spiritual? You can go to Jesus. He will not turn you away.
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle as he teaches through the book of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' time here on earth. Though it's short, this book is powerful as it's filled with encounters that Jesus had with people, everyday people just like you and me. And the book of Mark reminds us that Jesus came to serve. He humbly did what needed to be done, even if it wasn't glamorous. Jesus healed the people who were sick. He spent time with the lonely and the rejected. He loved the unloved unconditionally. And then he proved his love by the ultimate act of service. He gave up his life for all of us. He took the place of every person on the earth, and then those to come, because we all deserve death. Our sins make us unacceptable to God, and we're unable to do anything to fix it. That's why we need Jesus. Today, if you haven't allowed Jesus to be your Savior, please consider it again. If you have questions or would you like to talk more with someone, then please take a moment and go to breadforthebroken.com and click on Contact. Just fill out the form and we'll be in touch with you. You can also come visit us if you're in the Galveston area. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we meet every Sunday and Thursday. So find out more at breadforthebroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Next time, Pastor James will pick up where he left off in the book of Mark. So make a note of where we are and make plans to join us next time, here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, babe.